Well, good morning, church. My name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors around this place. I want you to raise your hand if this morning you weigh more than you did last Sunday. Raise your show of hands. You gain some weight. All right. If you're not raising your hand right now, you're not doing Thanksgiving the right way. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. I love Thanksgiving, man. I love the the pie and the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the family and the football and the, the fall weather. I love the moment where someone says, let's all go around the table and share what we're thankful for this year. And the way that that exposes that there really are two types of people on this planet. You know, the people that love that moment and then the type of people who would like to just eat before the food gets cold. Man, I, I love Thanksgiving. I love that we have a holiday. The, the point is to set aside time to be grateful, to, to, to express gratitude. I think that's a good thing. Uh, and I'm, but I'm always fascinated by what people are thankful for, what people are grateful for. I imagine most of us in this room, if, if I were to ask you guys, what, what, are, what are some of the things you're grateful for? I imagine we get some pretty good answers. I'm thankful. I'm in good health this year. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my home. Maybe the way God's provided for me, things like that. Those are, those are good things, but we all, we all know <laughs> the gratitude of a lot of Americans is far more surface level than that. I mean, just spend 30 seconds on Instagram, looking at the hashtag blessed, and you will see everything from job promotions to jewelry to an upgraded seat on a jet to coffee and clothing and cars and workouts and weekend getaways and, and even well done briskets. Uh, everything from my kid did a piece of art to uh, the lady at the salon did a good job on my fake nails. Hashtag blessed. And Jesus says, you guys want to know what it means to be blessed? Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, man, you know what it means to, be, to actually be blessed? The type of people that are blessed are the ones that say, I, I don't need anything in this life except God. And Jesus says, Those guys, that's you, you're blessed. Why? Because if all you want in this life is God, you get God. And when you get God, you get everything. That's, that's what true blessing is. And I would like us to pay attention to our gratitude this morning. Just for a moment. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's important to, to audit our gratitude. To just go, why are why am I thankful? Here's why, here's why it's important to, to pay attention to your gratitude, because your gratitude exposes your values. What you're thankful for exposes uh, what you value. And here's why this is a big deal, because what you value will determine the direction of your life. You follow my logic here. It's important to pay attention to what you're grateful for because, because gratitude exposes your values and what you value will ultimately determine the direction of your life, how you make decisions, where you go, where you don't go, what you do, what you don't do, what you say, what you don't say, so on and so forth, how you spend money, all of it. What you value will determine the direction of your life. So the health, the family, the home, God's God's provision, these are all good things to be grateful for. I mean, don't get me wrong, 
All right, trust me, Wednesday when I was supposed to be writing this sermon, I couldn't even focus because I was so excited. All I could think about was smoking a turkey and hanging out with my family the next day. You get what I'm saying? Like to be grateful to God for the good things in our life is a good thing. But it's not the best thing. Do you follow that? To be grateful to God for the good things is a good thing, but it's not the best thing. Why? Because even those good things, even gifts from God that are good, the, the health and the home and the family, God's provision maybe through an occupation, things like that, they will eventually fail you. And then what happens? This morning, I want to challenge all of us. I'm, I'm throwing myself in this challenge too to go a little bit deeper. I would, I challenge you this morning to shift your gratitude from a lesser treasure to a treasure that will never fail you. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter uh, 13, verse 44, he gives a brief, but man, is it powerful, this parable. And this parable beckons us to sort of realign our hearts with what God says really matters. Uh, I'm gonna read it. But for the sake of uh, uh, interacting with the point that Jesus is trying to make, you know, so we don't just kind of read it and move on without it sinking in, I'm going to leave a little part out. Right, so, so, so permit me to do this just for a second. I'm going to read this, and, and I'm going to leave a part of it blank. This is not how it was in the original uh, Greek when it was inspired. Okay, the, just, I'm not messing with God's word. We'll fill in the blank a little bit later. But, but read this with me. Matthew 13:44. the blank is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's read it again. The blank is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he, and he buys that field. Uh, pause with me and let's, let's pray. Lord, whatever you fill this blank in, uh, whatever you fill in, in this, this blank in with, um, would it be true of us as well? Would we value ultimately what you ultimately value? Would you, would, we, would you align our hearts with your heart right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a little context to help us understand this metaphor. Uh, why would treasure be buried in a field? They didn't have federally insured banks back in the day. So you bury something in the backyard, that was one way to keep it safe. Another question, why did the guy buy the field? Well, to possess the field is to possess the treasure buried within. Uh, therefore, uh, he was, he was, he was, what he was really doing was selling all his stuff with joy so he can have the treasure. That's the point. The question is, what, what was that treasure? How does Jesus fill that blank in? Before we fill in the blank, I got two things and a, and a question. All right, thing number one. Whatever the thing is, it's worth more than anything else this guy could ever have. Do you process that? Jesus says that this thing is like, whatever this thing is, it's, it's like a treasure. And this treasure-like thing is so valuable that the guy goes and he sells everything. Everything he has, he gives it all up so that he could have this thing. Whereas the point of this parable is, is that whatever this is, it's a, it is a treasure worth more than all other treasures. Second thing, this thing is valuable to the point 
that gaining it trumps losing anything and everything. Gaining it is better, is worth losing everything for. You notice he says, in his joy, he goes and gets rid of everything he has. In his joy, he loses everything so he can have this, this one thing. This guy's not at a funeral for his loss. He's not mourning. There's no grief in his loss here. He's not sad about it at all because losing everything for this one thing is like the best day of his life. So what, what, what is this? <laughs> what could possibly be worth losing everything for and, and, and make you happy to do it. <laughs> what is this thing? All right, before we see how Jesus fills in the blank, here's my question. How would you fill in the blank? Like, what would you write in here? What, what, is, what is, if you said the fill in the blank is like a treasure, it's worth losing everything for. How would you fill that blank in? What, what, what's the good thing that you would insert there. I want to pause because gratitude is always good, but sometimes our gratitude can just kind of disguise our idolatry. So I want to get us to process through what we would actually fill that blank in. Here's a better question. Maybe how would the people who know you the best fill this blank in about you? Like if your spouse were to write this about you, what would they write? What if, 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 if your colleagues or your, your, your friends were, were to fill this in? Like, how, well, for me, if, if someone was close enough to it and they said, you know, well, Hillstead, I know the, the thing he uh, values more than anything else on this planet is fill in the blank. What, what would people write? What would they write for, for you? And, and, and I'm not saying, don't think, uh, don't think of like, uh, well, because I'm in church, I got to think of the right answer. Like, what would they actually write based on your life and how you spend your time and your, your, your money and where your energies go and, and what you're passionate about, what you talk about the most, what you're living for? What, what, would, go, what would go in this, this blank? Here's how Jesus fills it in. Jesus says, the kingdom of Heaven is like a treasure. You hear that? He says, the kingdom, this is the thing, man. This is the thing that Jesus says, worth losing everything for. The kingdom of heaven. So what on earth does Matthew mean by the kingdom of heaven? Matthew's the author that wrote, that recorded Jesus' words here. Well, Matthew, he's writing to a primarily Jewish audience who held the name of God to be very sacred and did not use God's name superfluously. So Matthew sort of uses this circumlocution, I guess, a, a, um, a poetic reframing of the words to talk about the kingdom of God without saying the name of God. So the kingdom of heaven, when you read it in Matthew, he's talking about the kingdom of God. You read Matthew, kingdom of heaven, Luke, kingdom of God. What's up? Is there a difference? Are there two different places? Are they kind of the same? Is it a Venn diagram and they merge? No, same thing. So the kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God, but what on earth is the kingdom of God? This isn't uh, language you hear down at Quick Trip uh, on, a, on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, what, what does the kingdom of God mean? Well, <laughs> simply put, it's where, it's where God's king. 
It's not some distant, irrelevant uh, fairy tale land. It's anywhere God is king, ruling. And, 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 and the, 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 the people in that little area are subject to his loving reign. Does, does that make sense? That's anywhere uh, God is, is king and people are saying, God, you're king. We're going to do what you're going to, we're going to let you be king. You got the throne. We'll, 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 we'll uh, follow you and love you and serve you and, and, and obey you and submit to you and enjoy you and live under your loving rule. That's, that's the kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Anyone who has entered into a loving relationship with Jesus Right, a, a relationship that's marked by faith and surrender and obedience and trust and joy. If you've entered into that kind of relationship with Jesus, I'm not talking about like a religious thing. I'm not talking about checking the religious boxes, uh, doing the right religious things at the right religious times in the right religious places. I'm talking about actually knowing Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're king. And I want to follow you wherever you want me to go. If you've entered into a relationship like that with Jesus, you're living in the kingdom. The kingdom, it's, it's coming. <laughs> it's one day. In heaven, we, get, we experience the full kingdom, and it's no longer at war with a different, darker kingdom. It's no longer at war with an evil kingdom. Here, the, the, the two kingdoms are colliding, and we feel that. Evil hits us hard here. It's gray. It's blurred. There's light and dark. There's truth and lies. But we can experience the king, kingdom here too. It's, it's already here. Anytime you're in love with Jesus and you're praising Jesus and you're obeying Jesus and you're, you're, you're denying yourself and you're loving other people and you're doing, doing the type of stuff that Jesus is about and, and aligning your heart with Jesus, you're, you're, you're in the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Really, the, the, you don't know what the point of the kingdom is. Here it is. It's Jesus. Jesus is the point of the kingdom and not just like what he can do for me not not just what he does for us but just him and his beauty and his sweetness and his glory that's the point of the kingdom and trust me y'all I love what Jesus does for us I love the way he takes care of us and provides for us. And I love the healing that's found in him. And I, I love what he promises us. I, but these are all blessed byproducts. He's, he's the point. The gospel is not come to Jesus and he'll fix your marriage. Now, it's true that healthier marriages do kind of seem to follow Jesus around when it's the real Jesus. And I love that. I thank God every day for my wife and my marriage and, and the work that God has done in my marriage. I love that. But that's, that's not the gospel. Because even if all of that were stripped away, I know I'd still have everything. Because I got Jesus. And that's enough. My wife could die today. And it would be the hardest thing I've ever gone through. But trust me, I know I'd have everything I need. I can look you in the eyeballs and mean it with everything I believe. I know it would be the hardest thing. 
because, but I know I'd get through it because I got Jesus. And, and more importantly, Jesus has got me. And he might be dragging me <laughs> while I'm weeping. Y'all might be dragging me. But I'm going to cross the finish line because Jesus is faithful. It's his beauty is the point of the kingdom. That is what is worth losing everything for. Because, man, if I got Jesus... I got everything because he is enough and he will always be enough. My career and my wife and my kids and my health will fail me, but I've got a king, man, seated on a, seated on a throne and he loves me and he will never fail me ultimately. No matter, no matter what comes my way, I've got him. Man, hallelujah, it don't get better than that. If, no matter what you go through, Jesus will not fail you ultimately. And that will get you through a crappy Wednesday afternoon or the loss of a spouse. Trust me. The point's not whether or not life's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard with God. It's going to be hard without God. The point is the direction. What direction are you headed? Jesus says the kingdom is worth everything. So here's my challenge. I challenge you to shift your gratitude from the gift to the giver. Let's not be the kid uh, that, uh, th you know, throws away, that does this, tips it over, dumps it out, nothing falls out and tosses the card and rips open, rips open the present and then interprets grandma's love based on what's, what's inside. If it's the super hypomatic 1,000, he's happy. If it's the 500, he's, he's not going to be as happy. And whatever's in there, that, that determines uh, whether or not grandma's gonna, gonna, actually loves me or not. It's not be that kid. Um, we all know that the super hypomatic 1,000 is going to fail you. It's going to run out of batteries. It's going to break. It's, it's, it's fickle. It's temporary and old happiness, long-term happiness, it ain't found in there. Meanwhile, inside the card, there's a, a personal and sweet handwritten note from his grandmother. She says, grandson, I just love you so much. I am just so stinking proud of you. I love your smile. I love your laugh. I love the young man you're becoming. I, I love watching your kindness flow to other people. And I miss you so much. I can't wait to hang out with you. I want to invite you. I want you to come hang out with us uh, this, this summer for a couple of weeks. We'll spend some time together. Right? The card represents the relationship. It's not throw away the card. Here's what it is. Uh, in the same way that kids shouldn't interpret grandma's love, by the contents of the gift, but by, but by the nature of the relationship, we need to not interpret God's goodness toward us by what we receive in this life. We need to interpret what we receive in this life through the lenses of God's goodness. Does that make sense? Don't, don't let what we receive, what comes your way in life, be the lenses through which you interpret whether or not God is good. Let the goodness, the unshakable goodness of God be the lenses through which you interpret everything you receive in this life. This is why I'm saying, let's shift our gratitude from 
the, the gifts and what comes our way and shift them to the one, one who gives. I, I've got a, a, a little kind of poem I wrote earlier this year for um, a different sermon that I was trying to illustrate this point. Uh, it's about a farmer and, and his neighbor. A farmer would rise early and tend to his animals and work the ground all day and be up late repairing his equipment. He would often raise his calloused fist and lift his tired head and say bitterly, if you were good and if you were true, I wouldn't have to work this damned ground, breaking my back and striving to have enough to eat. He'd say to his wife and kids, why would a God who is good and a God who is true treat us so poorly? I want nothing to do with such a God. His neighbor would also rise early, tend to his animals, work the ground all day, and be up late repairing his equipment. He would often fold his calloused hands, bow his tired head, and pray gratefully, saying, God, because you are good and because you are true, you allow me to work this blessed ground, sustaining my back, always providing enough to eat. He'd say to his wife and kids, why would a God who is good and a God who is true treat us so well? There's nothing more that I want than such a God. One winter, the farmer's wife passed away, and he said in his pain, why would a God who is good and a God who is true have taken her from me, damning me to all these years of loneliness? That spring, his, his neighbor's wife passed away, and he said in his pain, why would a God who is good and a God who is true have given her to me, blessing me with all these years of companionship? Lying on his deathbed, the, the farmer said, I've worked my whole life and I have nothing to show. If God were good and if God were true, certainly he'd have given me better. I want nothing to do with such a God. On his deathbed, his neighbor said, I've worked my whole life and I have nothing to show. God, because you are good and because you are true, you have given me everything. There is nothing more that I want than such a God. The same occupation, same hardships, the same lot in life, two totally different hearts. You see, faith and rebellion both pray, and God answers both. So would you take time to sort of audit your affections, pay attention to your gratitude, Ask yourself, God, what do I truly value? How am I filling in the blank of, of Matthew 13, 44? Is, is, it, is it the way you would want it filled in? I don't know what you've been chasing in this life. Um, but it's, it's time to stop. It's time to turn around. Start chasing God. When you chase after God, you get him. And you get God, you get everything. You chase after anything else, you lose everything. 
I don't know what you've been chasing after. And I don't know how, how you've been interpreting God's goodness. But I'll tell you this. Life is hard with or without God. That's not the question. The question is what direction are you, are you headed? Why should you want God? You might be sitting here asking, why, why on earth would I want Jesus? Why, why, how, how, help me understand why I should give up anything for him. How on earth is he so valuable? Here's what it is. In this parable, we read that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a guy gives up everything for so that he can buy it and have it as his own. Jesus, long before we ever loved him, gave up everything. He left the throne in heaven. He left everything. <laughs> because you're a treasure. It's so valuable that he would pay the price. He would do whatever it takes to buy you back. He gave up everything so he could buy you back, so he could have you as his treasure. That's why Jesus is worth losing everything for. Why on earth would we love him? Because he loved us first. Romans 5, 8, God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says, I count everything. Everything is lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus is Lord. Why should you give up everything for Jesus? Because he's worth it. If you've never made the decision to take it all and just give it to Jesus, don't leave here. Maybe you've made that decision in the past, but you've turned around and grabbed some of that stuff and, and brought it back. Put it down again. <laughs> Chase after Jesus. Let's, let's stop, church. Let's stop chasing after lesser treasures. And let's be about the kingdom, the best treasure, Jesus. We all do that together, and we're going to see God do some, some awesome stuff in and among us. Would you stand with me now and close in prayer? Lord, we hear your words saying that your kingdom, the place where you are present, the place where you are reigning, is like a treasure that's, that's worth losing everything for. I pray for, for myself and, and, and for my church, for everyone in here, God, that, that you would help us to lose everything and be joyful about losing anything for you? Would you help us treasure you above all? Would you help, uh, help us to make you the object of our gratitude? Not even because of what you do for us, but because of who you are. Jesus, you are beautiful. And I pray specifically right now, God, for anyone that has something else Filling in that blank. 
and they've got their grasp on it tightly, or maybe it's got its grasp on them tightly. But I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, through your grace, that you would break the grasp that whatever that thing is, has on this person, Lord. You would break the wall that's keeping them from you. Would you help us to pursue you with all our hearts all the way to heaven? We praise you and give you honor. And may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace in Jesus' matchless and holy name. Amen. Have a great week, church. We'll see you next Sunday.